and welcome to this latest episode of the ISBA BursaCast podcast. This podcast is here to bring you the very latest regulatory and operational guidance for independent schools today. There's quite a few things to get through today, so we shan't wait around. We'll jump right in, letting you know about the ISBA guidance on the Inspection Framework 2023. Within this, there is a compliance FAQ, post-inspection feedback form, and ISBA inspection webinars. First things first, the ISBA has worked with Farrett & Co. and Harrison Clark Rickabees to produce a comprehensive compliance FAQ, which is designed to replace the ISI commentary, which was withdrawn at the beginning of this month. The document, which has been updated again this week, is designed to be dynamic and help schools prepare for the new inspection framework, which is now in force. It also appears in ISBA's inspection app, which is currently undergoing testing and will be released to members shortly. On to the post-inspection feedback form. At the outset of the new framework, we have an opportunity to ensure that the inspection process is as positive an experience as possible, in the interests of outcomes for pupils. To this end, as the association with the largest number of members, ISBA is uniquely and perhaps best placed to ensure that ISI receives robust feedback about the process and adheres to the standards they have set themselves. We would ask that all members remember to contact the ISBA office as soon as they are aware that an inspection has been notified. After the inspection, we would be grateful if you could complete the feedback form, which goes beyond Bursa's areas of responsibility and asks wide-ranging questions. We hope that having been present at senior leadership meetings during and after the inspection, you will be ready to respond without too much consultation with colleagues. This should take about 40 minutes to complete. We hope that this important feedback will assist significantly in ensuring that ISBA gives dispassionate but evidenced feedback to ISI, as well as reinforcing the importance of bursas in the inspection and feedback process. The final note on this is the webinars. Please note that the ISBA is running three webinars on inspections which will be of use to members. The first of which, which has possibly been and gone by the time you've listened to this, was on the 22nd of September. The next one is on the 3rd of October. And the final one will be on the 6th of October. You can book a place on any or all of them via the website. On to the next topic, and this is to do with the ISI update for schools. Firstly, there is an updated inspection document. Please familiarise yourself with the updated framework and handbook for inspections this term. Check the change log at the end of each document. Documents do not need to be uploaded to the portal before inspection, in line with the principle of manageability. Refer to pages 17 to 19 of the handbook for details. There is also a revised inspection report template and optional guidance for self-evaluation available. A recent webinar on inspection reports can be watched for further insights. School-specific inquiries should no longer be sent to support at isi.net. Non-school-specific questions can be directed to faqs at isi.net, which is regularly reviewed and updated. Inspection framework, handbook and related resources can be found on isi.net, along with Department for Education guidance and documentation. Ensure your pupil roll numbers are up to date by September the 28th, 2023, as previously requested. And the ISI is recruiting senior inspectors 
find more information by clicking onto their website. And finally, keep an eye out for information on the upcoming consultation on the complaints policy. Your views are valuable and will be sought. Please stay informed and be prepared for inspections this term and participate in relevant consultations and updates. Moving on once more to the DfE consultation on changes to working together to safeguard children. Now the key information from this is as follows. The Department for Education has launched a consultation on proposed changes to the working together to safeguard children statutory guidance which outlines how practitioners should work together to protect children from harm. The guidance is being updated as part of the government's plan to transform children's social care, emphasising early intervention and effective multi-agency working. The consultation closed on September 6th, 2023, and covered topics such as the role of education in safeguarding, changes in supporting families, and, as mentioned, the multi-agency approach. The plan changes in WT statutory guidance are a shared endeavour. This introduces expectations for effective multi-agency working and practice principles for working with parents and carers. Multi-agency safeguarding. This is to do with arrangements clarifying roles, introducing a partnership chair and strengthening education's role in safeguarding. Number three, help and support for children and families, emphasising early help, family networks and support for disabled children. And finally, number four, decisive multi-agency child protection introduces new national standards and approaches to harm outside the home. The bottom line of this is what it might mean for schools, and that is that schools should anticipate updated guidance expected to be published in the winter of 2023. After publication, schools should review and update their safeguarding policies, procedures, and training to align with the changes. Moving on from ISI to ISC, the Independent Schools Council has sent an email to all ISC schools in Great Britain regarding the political situation. The email emphasises countering Labour's tax proposals and promoting a positive narrative about schools. The email provides schools with details of their current constituency, MP and contact information, as well as information about their constituency, after the boundary review, and future candidates, where known. The timing is important, aiming to keep political actions on schools' agendas in the year leading up to the election and providing candidate details as they become available. This effort aligns with ISC's broader political strategy, which includes engaging with influential figures and other parties to prevent hostile policies. The ISC will continue to monitor candidate selections and provide updates to schools as more information becomes available. This is clearly an acronym episode, as now the ICO issues new guidance following a school reprimand. Is your school complying with data protection law? Now, the key takeaways from this bit of guidance are, number one, the data breach incident in May 2023. A school faced an ICO reprimand due to a data breach involving a whiteboard, emphasising the importance of data security. Number two, the ICO guidance is that the ICO's findings offer valuable guidance for schools on ensuring compliance with data protection laws. Number three, internal data sharing. You should implement clear systems for staff to share sensitive data internally, including email classification systems, ensure staff understand when and where to open sensitive emails. Number four, third-party systems. Staff should be trained on using third-party systems 
like whiteboards, to safeguard data. You should provide guidance on screen sharing to prevent compromising information. Number five, breach reporting. Educate staff on reporting data breaches and near misses promptly. Establish a clear reporting process and provide regular reminders on its importance. Number six, regular policy and training reviews. Periodically review and update policies and training to stay compliant with data protection laws. Communicate changes clearly to staff and maintain notes of updates. Remember, compliance with data protection laws is essential to protect sensitive information and build trust. Regularly reviewing policies, providing training and following the latest guidance are crucial steps in maintaining data security. Here is a little bit more from the ICO and this time it's regarding subject access requests and the key information for this is that number one, there have been a high volume of SARs. Between April 2022 and March 2023, the ICO received over 15,000 complaints related to subject access requests, highlighting a common challenge. Organisations that fail to respond promptly or adequately to SARs can face fines or reprimands. The ICO has published new guidance for employers on handling SARs, providing clarity on compliance with data protection laws. The key topics that were covered within this are the format for submitting SARs. There are no formal requirements, but requests can be made via various means. The time limits. This emphasises the importance of complying within them. Manifestly unfounded or excessive SARs. These provide an example and recommend seeking legal advice for complex cases. Clarifying requests. Employees can ask for clarification when necessary. Withholding information. This covers exemptions for protecting third-party rights and whistleblowing-related information. SARs during grievance or a tribunal process. Employers must comply regardless of the employee's motives. Cannot contract out-of-right access. Settlement or non-disclosure agreements cannot override subject access requests. And finally, managing requests for CCTV footage. This reminds employees to consider personal data within CCTV recordings. There are obviously impact on schools and they are experiencing an increase in SARs from staff, which can be complex due to the nature of educational settings. The new guidance clarifies common misconceptions but doesn't significantly change anything. There is obviously an importance on compliance here. Schools should align their policies with current data protection laws, identify areas of non-compliance and respond to SARs properly and promptly, ideally with legal support. And number eight, and finally, there is support from the ICO. The ICO's guidance aims to make the SAR process easier to understand and navigate, ultimately helping schools achieve legal compliance. In summary, independent school bursaries should be aware of the ICO's new guidance on SARs, ensure compliance within data protection laws, and seek legal support for complex cases to manage the increasing volume of SARs from staff. Moving on from one acronym to another, HMRC and HM Treasury have published a consultation on tax incentives for employer occupational health investment. Quite the mouthful. The key information for this is that the UK government is encouraging employers to invest in occupational health support to reduce workplace absences and boost economic growth. The consultation focuses on expanding tax exemptions for certain medical benefits provided by employers, such as recommended medical treatments, health screenings, checkups, welfare counselling and eye tests. 
The proposal aims to extend these exemptions to cover additional health services, preventative treatments and employer-paid flu vaccinations. The government seeks feedback from employers on current levels of occupational health services, the role of tax incentives in decision-making and the potential impact on increasing health provision. Smaller organisations, including independent schools, are of particular interest. The consultation is open until October 12, 2023, and may be relevant for independent schools considering occupational health services and their staff. And the final note of the day is from Farrah and Co, and this is that they are holding their annual safeguarding conference on Wednesday, the 11th of October, 2023, in London. This year, the title of the conference is No Filter, Young People's Relationships in the Digital Age. The Deputy Children's Commissioner will be delivering a keynote speech. We will hear directly from panels of young people about what it feels to navigate relationships now, and we'll discuss with them behaviours of concern and their views on contributing factors, as well as initiatives and strategies which they think are effective. The conference will also include speeches on the main platform, as well as four breakout sessions repeated twice during the day. Topics on which they will focus on include pornography and its impact, digital behaviour, coercive control, addressing misogyny, and the use of mediation and restorative justice in cases of sexual violence and harassment please head to their website to register. And on the topic of conferences, ISBA is also resuming its one-day conferences, the first of which is coming up very shortly on the 28th of September. This is the Health and Safety and Estates Conference. Bookings for this will close at 5pm on the 22nd of September, so that's Friday, tomorrow. So please keep an eye out for that and sign up if you're keen to go. They're always fantastic and they cover things in great detail. And with all of that taken care of, I shan't take up any more of your time. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to get in touch, please email podcast at theisba.org.uk. Please do share these around with members of your team if you think they'll find it useful. And check back in for the Friday Focus episode, where we'll be hearing from Ben Collingwood on all sorts of topics surrounding transgender provision and guidance. And with nothing more to add, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for listening. Catch you next week. Till then, farewell.